Hi, I'm Ashley Cooley, a birth baby and sleep specialist and mom of three. There's so much information out there, right? This show is dedicated to helping you clear out the noise so you can figure out what will work best for your baby and your family. If you're looking to learn more about your baby, gain more confidence in your parenting, and get as much sleep as you can through it all, you've come to the right place. Bringing up baby is about to get a little easier. the grand finale my youngest daughter Mabel and her birth story the last of our children and we know this going into this moment so while it's nerve-wracking and a bit anxiety producing it's also kind of exciting and we were really well prepared and luckily had another healthy birth and delivery so all of that being said we were able to have a pretty low intervention birth which was definitely the goal going into this and not at all because I think there is a hierarchy of any kind when it comes to how you have your babies I think it's good to have options and in any situation you never know what you're going to need so it's again good to have options but because of events from Frankie's birth story which if you listen to that one couple episodes back, you will know what I'm talking about. Um, And also because I had since having my second daughter, Frankie, I had since become a certified childbirth educator. I had two experiences personally being in the delivery room. And I had started teaching prenatal classes, I had been teaching prenatal classes um, as part of Citadel Prenatal for, I think, think a good three years by the time Mabel came around. So I had a good amount of knowledge going into this third delivery and a lot of experience and a lot of great tools to go into birth because these are the things that I teach in my classes and talk about all the time. So I wanted to try it all and I was ready for it. So let's dive into the nitty gritty here. Mabel, being my third daughter, she, I thought she would come early, honestly, and I was so ready. She was born in a heat wave in the summer, and I wasn't used to that. I wasn't used to being that heavily pregnant in the summertime. My other two daughters were born in the winter, so this was, well, not enjoyable. Luckily, there were some really lovely weddings and including my brother's wedding, my sister's wedding, my longest, dearest, best friend's wedding of all time. Uh, And so we got to experience a lot of fun things that summer, but I was heavenly pregnant and we were looking at, we had already gone to one wedding and we were on the cusp of going to two very important weddings again the following week, but the week after we were due, I was due with Mabel. So I'm now 40 weeks pregnant. We, I thought again, we would have gone early for some reason, I guess I thought, well, hey, my body has done this twice before. The other two girls were born pretty close to their due date. So at least I thought I would get due date or earlier, but not the case. Few days go by and well, I'm I'm starting to kind of like look at my watch and think, okay, time's a ticking. I have some weddings to get to, neither of which were, by the way, in the area where I live. They were slightly, one was slightly outside the city, but one was in another province that we had to take a ferry to. So honestly, I never, ever would have planned 
or wanted to plan to go to weddings or travel to another province a week or less after having a baby. But I had had babies before. We had care set up for them. So it would just be my husband and I and our then new baby to come with us. And we were like, listen, we have two kids, so we can handle this. We know that going to just having one kid um, can be pretty easy. And dealing with a newborn was my jam. So anyway, we, we had plans and we had to get them moving. And I, well, for lots of reasons, those being included, but also I was over 40 weeks pregnant. And anybody, I know those of you who have been over 40 weeks pregnant before know what I'm talking about. You're just done. You are done. So I was trying to do all the things uh, to get that baby out on my own. Nothing seemed to do the trick. We were waiting, waiting, waiting. Five days past due date. Finally, I have an appointment with my doctor and I finally agreed to having a membrane sweep done. I had had these with both previous pregnancies and they didn't really work out in that you know, the, it's not like the labor started anytime after, soon after that was, that had happened. But I was looking down the barrel of induction. And also, again, I would like to get this baby out ASAP. So in that appointment, I agreed to an, a membrane sweep. And my doctor did one, um, extremely uncomfortable, we lived through it. And, and then she told me to go be as active as possible. And remember, this was a heat wave. I'm over 40 weeks pregnant. Last thing I want to do is be as active as possible. But I went swimming, so at least I could float around and feel a little lighter and cool down. So that was really nice. And a few hours later, it's the evening. We're putting the kids to bed, and I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. And you would think that I would have known that that was labor starting, but it it's still, even to this day, I'm like, it's so in, interesting to me. This wouldn't be the case for everybody, of course. But the early, early, early stage of labor, when it's literally just starting out, oftentimes will still keep you guessing, even if you've already had two labors that have spontaneously started. So anyway, I'm thinking, oh, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. Uh, I'm going to go take a shower, kind of try to shake this off, right? Then soon after that, of course, I realized this is labor because this coming and going is coming and going is being pretty consistent. So I would say right from the get-go of that that labor, my contractions were pretty close together the entire time. Like I'm talking three to four minutes apart the entire time. They were pr- pretty mild in the beginning. As I said, it was kind of confusing at first. So it really... Uh, after taking a shower and sitting down again, I start timing things and realize, okay, well, it's pretty regular, but it's very early. Like they're so close together. I wouldn't have expected that. Right. So I'm thinking maybe they're just going to happen really quickly for now and then stop Braxton Hicks. Perhaps that wasn't the case. They kept on going, continuing along enough that, you know, I'm hyper aware of when, when they're happening, Um, It's getting late into the evening. We decide to try to go to sleep. I realize very quickly that I'm not going to be able to fall asleep because, again, they're coming pretty regularly. So, of course, my husband falls asleep. I let him sleep. I think, well, you know, somebody's got to get some sleep here. Might as well. But I wanted to talk about what was going on. So I called 811. Look at me. (laughs) Wife of the year, right? I let my husband sleep during early labor. And instead, I call 
the strange nurse. Not a strange nurse, but a nurse I don't know who's very lovely. Anyway, I call 811 and I'm speaking to the nurse on the line, telling her the situation. And she realizes when I'm talking to her and I'm telling her each time I'm having a contraction during that conversation. And she's like, you know what? These are pretty close together and it's your third child. You live a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes away from the hospital. You should, you should probably go now. And I'm thinking, oh, really? <laughs> I just, anytime, I mean, not that I didn't want to have the baby, you know, I wanted to, but it's just, you know, it was getting so late. I was really kind of hoping that maybe she would say, oh yeah, no, it still could be Braxton Hicks. I'm looking for any excuse to, to get some sleep is what it comes down to. <laughs> of course, beggars can't be choosers. We want the baby, but like, yeah, I would prefer if it was daytime. Thanks. Anyway, <laughs> so we, I decide, okay, great. We're going to, we're going to go have this baby. I hang up the phone. I call my father-in-law. They were our, the people who were going to come to hang out with our two oldest so we could go have this baby. So I tell him, wake them up out of a sleep. This is, I'm going to say, it's it's about 11.30, 11.45 at night. And so they come over. It takes them about 10 to 15 minutes or so to get here. Meanwhile, I get my husband awake. We get the bags. I go in and kiss my daughters goodnight. And so by that time, when we're walking downstairs, we're like, I'm looking out the door. I'm looking out the window. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for my in-laws to be here. I am ready to get going. I can tell that things are getting stronger. They're taking my attention away. So they, they arrive. We get into the car. It's around midnight. Again, we have a, a you, typically a 15 to 20 minute drive, like if it was during the day to the hospital. And so it's the middle of the night and we get to our first street light, which is a red light. And no one's around, guys. And I'm looking at my husband and I'm like, um, you, you should go. <laughs> Like, I was not in a position to say, like, hey, yeah, let's just take our leisurely drive to the hospital. It was go. I went, by the time I was in the car, I want to be at the hospital because I don't want to be sitting still, right? I want to be moving. And it was getting uncomfortable. So I'm looking at him like he has two heads. Like, why are you stopping right now? There's no one around. I'm sorry, but, like, go. And so we did that. We stopped at the red lights, but we didn't stay if there weren't any other cars around. So it was that kind of situation. We have to cross the bridge to get where we need to go. Uh, There were some cops at a stop sign. So we did do what we needed to do there, of course. Though I argued the fact that maybe we should tell them what we're doing and they can get the lights going and get us there faster. That would be cool. But anyway... We made it, made it to the hospital. Um, I think it is now around 1230 and get quote unquote checked in and I'm about six centimeters. So they, it's not long before they take me upstairs to go into labor and delivery. Okay. So now we're in labor and delivery. Contractions are again, of course, pretty regular. They're getting very much stronger now. As soon as we get to our labor and delivery room and get kind of situated, so I get a, my TENS machine that I rented, which I was so happy to have and try it out because I told people about it before and I was excited to try it. I put it on my back, I turn it on so I'm able to have it just kind of at a low pulse. It's kind of a tingly kind of massage almost, I guess. And, um, and then when the contraction would come, 
I felt like I had so many tools and so many things to use to help me through those and my partner being included because again, if you listen to the other two birth stories, you know that he had very little involvement in the actual laboring part with those births for lots of reasons because I, first of all, I didn't know how he could help and he didn't know how to help. But also as things got stronger and when I really needed help and he really wanted to help, again, we didn't know how and it was, it just, it wasn't working out, but we had prepped for this. (laughs) We prepped for this. So he knew what to do and to where to apply counter pressure. I had a TENS unit on. I was focusing on my breathing, uh, keeping my pelvis open. We had the lights kind of dim. We were listening to music and things that were keeping me comfortable and getting me through those contractions. There were so many great things that we were able to incorporate that I was hoping for. And again, because luckily there was a healthy, active baby that was coping well with the labor, we were able to do those things. I labored for about two hours from the time we arrived at the hospital to the moment she was born, you know, give or take. So it was definitely, you know, a very intense labor. But uh, from the time I got to the hospital, things were definitely a lot stronger and we're continuing to get stronger, closer together as it often does. Again, very low intervention. So there weren't any internal exams by the time we had arrived after, since arriving at the hospital, we didn't do any other internal exams. Um, Our nurse was checking the baby's heart rate every so often while having a contraction with the Doppler. And that's how we knew baby was doing well. So otherwise we were just walking around the room and going through this until it was getting time to push and the nurse could kind of tell like, hey, maybe can we do an exam and see, you know, can get you into bed, do an exam and just to check your cervix, see if we're ready to push. And I said, no, I'd rather not. No, thanks. I don't want to move right now. And she's, you know, convincing me maybe this would be a good idea because, you know, she's thinking we're really close. It could be time to call the doctor kind of thing. And so, you know, in hindsight, I probably I wish I had just said like, go ahead, call the doctor. I think you're right. We are getting pretty close. But you know, I I was also pretty curious and agreed to an internal exam. So I did. Oh gosh, finally managed to get in bed. It was a real struggle to do that because those contractions were on top of each other. And so I get into bed, laying sideways. She does the exam. Yep, definitely go time. Here comes baby. So. It was a pretty close call for my doctor getting there on time, but she did literally in the nick of time. And luckily, again, our hospital, we're very fortunate that there's um, some lovely staff that are available if if your doctor isn't there. So I did have a, another doctor in the room, the on-call doctor, whom I don't even know who it was at the time or, or could tell you even now. But I, we got into pushing and the one thing that I was really concerned about was that my water didn't break yet. And the only reason I was concerned about this is because I'm, I know that sometimes babies are born on call, they call it, when they're still in the amniotic sac. Oftentimes this is when, or this may happen if they're doing a cesarean section. Uh, I've seen videos anyway of it happening in that sense, but vaginally, I wasn't too pumped about the thought of it because it felt like I'm going to need to make an even larger opening for this baby to escape than I want to. So could we, could we maybe address this? 
so I remember bringing it up to my nurse. I'm pushing and I'm also saying like, what about the amniotic sac? She's saying, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, everything's fine. You know, keep doing your thing basically and telling me everything's okay. And it was, of course. And I'm so glad that you know, they were also like, well, why intervene right now when we don't have to? And I appreciated that because they knew that that was really kind of what we were looking for, right? So by the time my doctor gets there and I hear her, I know she's in the room. So I know we're really, really close. And I ask her about the amniotic sac. And I I mean, there's there was so much going on so quickly, of course, in those moments. And I remember her giving me reassurance, everything's okay. It did eventually break, like really at the very end, probably the last, second last push, I want to say. So anyway, when it comes to getting to those final pushes, wow, it was incredible. It was extremely challenging. Again, if you've had a low uh, intervention birth and you know the ring of fire, you know all of it. And it was intense, but it was also very empowering and very like, I've got power in these pushes, you know, which I was, I was excited about and I knew it was making progress and it didn't take long. Luckily, not too many pushes. And here she was. And man, it's just that feeling of after all of the births, this, this hour after birth is literally my favorite hour of life right after the baby is born, a healthy baby who is able to go on your chest and be skin to skin and feed some time thereafter. And holy smokes, it's just getting to live in that moment. I remember with my first daughter, I remember how amazing that moment was, but also I was exhausted. Of course, you know, just a lot of things in those moments. And I remember going into my two other births since then thinking you're going for that moment you're doing this for that moment because that moment is literally the best time in life it's like time stops and the only people who know you had a baby are the ones that are in the room it's just like a i don't know it's something else the fact of having you know a relatively low intervention birth unmedicated birth that felt empowering but it was more so the the preparedness, the way that I felt going into it. And luckily having the ability to use those skills again, because the baby was healthy and doing well and coping well with labor. Uh, and I had the energy and all that sort of stuff. So it just felt so, so empowering to really get to have that experience. But it's important to realize that my births were considered healthy and quote unquote normal. And the only really feelings that I experienced, well, there there were a lot of feelings I experienced, um, but it was more around just the awe and amazement of what I was able to accomplish. I wish this for everyone, but sadly, I know that that's not always the case. Some women and parents do experience and are feel different ways and different things about their labors and deliveries. And, you know, it comes down to you feeling seen and heard and validated and being informed and making informed decisions. So I try to empower people in my prenatal classes to do those things and to hope and to expect to have these wonderful birth experiences. Even though sometimes things can go down and we need to shift, it's important to have information and it's important to have support and tools in your toolbox for when you can use them. So I hope that for all of you, 
And for those of you who felt like you haven't had that and are still working through some things that have to do with your labor and delivery and the birth of your little one, I hope that you find some support. It's never too late to talk about these things. And it always helps to talk about these things. If you'd like to talk about it in a particular group that is going to be really supportive to you, that group would be on Facebook and it's called the Halifax Perinatal Support Network. You do not have to live in Halifax to be a part of this group. A lot of the resources that we share, we have a huge list of resources, by the way, are local to Halifax area, but there are also tons of virtual support options on there as well. But the the support that we do have in that group, we do monthly sessions, monthly meetups with themes. We have uh, discussions within the group to help normalize perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, to normalize different birth experiences, to normalize the struggles and the hard times of being parents, but also to celebrate the good times too and to be there for each other. So if you're not already a member, please go ahead and join the Halifax Perinatal Support Network and it's going to be a wonderful resource to you. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you back here next time. Looking for more? Check out birthbabysleep.ca where you'll find prenatal classes, postpartum and new baby resources and sleep support during the childhood years. You'll also find me on Facebook and Instagram at birthbabysleep. It would be awesome if you followed us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you can, leave a review or a rating, which goes a long way for helping others to find us. That's all for now. I'm Ashley Cooley, and we'll see you back here next time.